everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend, Dr. Ellen Albertson. Hi, Ellen. How are you? Hey, Kathy. It's so awesome to be here. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited to have this conversation. Me too. Me too. I know I'm going to learn a lot. And I know that um, our hearts are both in the service uh, arena and want to ma make the world a better place one person at a time. So, so everyone, so you know a little bit about Dr. Ellen. She's a psychologist, a registered dietitian, a national board certified health and wellness coach, and in her spare time, a Reiki master, a mindful self-compassion teacher, and she's known as the midlife whisperer. And uh, and so today we're going to talk about that. And we're going to actually learn what midlife is going is is uh, the definition of midlife. And um, we're going to learn learn about stress reduction and how diet and lifestyle can affect all of that. So so Ellen, there the, I have a ton of questions, but. First, what, what I'd like to ask you first is how did you evolve into this desire? Was there a turning point or a, a mentor that you had that, that sparked your interest to do this? Um, it's really been, Kathy, a 30-year continuum. So I started my work as a registered dietitian way back in 1993, and everybody who was coming to me were all women at midlife. And then, you know, it continued when I transitioned from uh, being a dietitian, I became a personal trainer, then I became a coach, psychologist. And again, everybody who I was attracted to work with, who was attracted to working with me, were all midlife women. And then, of course, I went through midlife myself. You know, and along the way, I did a lot of my own self-growth. I know we are, you know, we're always teaching what it is we need to learn, learning what it is we need to teach, went through myself the whole midlife gamut of, you know, parenting teens and empty nest and elderly parents and divorce and blindness and breast cancer. So, you know, I have been on this journey and I feel like midlife really is this time where we, we can go from caterpillar to butterfly, where we can have this amazing transformational period of our life where we can make an incredible second adulthood. So it wasn't like one moment. The moment of becoming the midlife whisperer was really interesting. I was at a conference and I was kind of trying to figure out like, what is it that I do? What's a moniker that really fit? At the time I was going as the grow and glow coach. It wasn't quite right. And then I hit me like, you're the midlife whisperer. That's what you do. You're like, shh, I got you. I understand you. I can help you make this inside out transformation. And that's when, you know, I came up with the midlife whisperer. Nobody had the moniker. And I really feel that I am a one-stop shop for all your midlife needs, whether you're working on your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit relationships. I really can um, help you with all of that. And I take a very holistic approach because everything really is interconnected. Right. Oh, that's so perfect. That's so perfect. I, I really think that's the missing part about going to most specialists is that they don't have the holistic viewpoint and every illness or, um, obstacle well in in saint germain stuff they call it an obscuration which is shadow and everything that's in your field that's out of alignment is um is an emotion so if you just do a normal process that you know um a equals b equals c type thing without considering the holistic the whole person you're missing well it'll come back it's not going to stay Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you, you know, mentioned those sort of shadow parts, those emotional things. So often women are coming to me, particularly after the pandemic, where they were wearing sweatpants, you know, eating a lot of junk. People were drinking yeah. more, got on the scale, like, oh my God, I went to the doctor. I'm 20 pounds heavier. What do I do? I can't stop this sort of a glass of Chardonnay or two, <laughs> the Pinot, the Ben and Jerry's threesome, all of that. And we don't start 
by addressing the nutrition and the diet. What I do first is we address the self-love and we address the emotions because self-compassion is really an emotional regulatory technique. And people always have these, they've got these difficult emotions. And instead of addressing them, as you were saying, let's throw some light on that shadow self. Let's see what's going on. What's, what's subconsciously going on. They try to manage their mood with food and then they feel bad and they diet and they stay in this horrible spiral. And I'm like, no, let's just, let go. It's, okay. it's, it's still all, it's still all um, painful. <laughs> I mean, none of that's um, based on building a life of joy. And what, by, by going to someone like you, who has all the different aspects, you can actually build a life that would last you for the next 40 years instead of, instead of, oh, well, I figured this out. I'll do this diet this month and lose 20 pounds like the Atkins diets or some of these keto diets and the diet of the week, whatever it is. But but if you really get to eat more and know more what your body wants and then use some discipline, right? Well, um, I'd like to go deeper into self-love because I really think um, when we're talking about midlife or any part of our lives, that, that um, a big part of our programming as women has been give it all the way to everyone else. And as servant leaders, also for conscious business zone, a lot of those people have been taking care of their employees, taking care of their customers, and they don't necessarily take great care of themselves. So could you talk about the road to self-love? Because I don't think that's, um, I mean, people teach courses on it and stuff, but it's it's a rocky road for most of us because our programming is to do that to show love by doing things for everyone else. Right. Well, we're taught as women to put everyone and everything else first. So after we have taken care of our business, our employees, our spouse, our kids, the dog, the house, the garbage, all of those things, there's no energy left for ourselves. And it's a it's a very dangerous situation, Kathy, because you know, when we don't give to ourselves, that's when we can head to burnout. That's when our stress gets out of control. That's when we're not taking care of our body and we can get disease. Because all diseases, the bottom line of disease is really inflammation, all of that stress not doing the self-care, not moving our bodies, eating right, getting sleep is all going to uh, create that kind of a disease environment. So I was that quintessential person, you know, doing everything for everybody else. I had, you know, teens and I was, I had a marriage that wasn't working very well. And I was a personal fitness trainer working out with all my clients, 46 hours a day, always, as you said, doing for other people, because that's what I was taught. And that's what I observed, you know, in my mom and generations. And um, what happened with me is that I found self-compassion. I was looking for a dissertation topic to help women to feel better about their bodies and themselves. And I was fortunate enough to meet Kristen Knapp, who is the pioneer in this area of self-compassion. Oh. And she was on my dissertation committee. And I had to actually learn and start practicing self-compassion myself. So I like to think about self-compassion as the how of self-love. Because as you said, people are like, they hear this, like, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, and everything falls in place. But like, how do you actually do it? Right. And self-compassion is a practice. It's a practice like yoga, like meditation, like, you know, walking the dog, whatever it is that we do as a practice daily in our lives. And it is a muscle that absolutely anybody can build. It's a st state and a trait. Some people are naturally more self-compassionate to themselves than others, but it's something we all can learn. I have clients all the time. They're like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. I don't love myself. I have no idea how to do this. So it really starts with a simple little exercise that you can do right now. You know, imagine you have a dear friend and they have gone through some kind of misfortune, embarrassment, something that they're struggling with. How do you treat them? What's your tone of voice? What's your posture? What do you do? Now think about yourself, right? You've just gone through something difficult. You've got stress at work. You're struggling. You're suffering. Something embarrassing has happened. How do you treat yourself? And I've done this hundreds of times with people. And, and all the time, everybody says, oh, my God, with my friend, I would like go over and give her a hug and make her dinner, ask her how I could help her. And then when you think about yourself, it's always either this shouldn't be happening to me or, my God, what did I do wrong? 
to make this happen. And then I go right into fix it mode instead of, oh my God, I just need a hug. I need to take a breath. Yeah. I need to ask, what do I need right now? So self-compassion and self-love is something that, that everybody can learn, but it's a practice. It's a way of treating yourself the way you would a good friend. And it is profound, you know, in terms of the me metaphysical piece to it. What happens is when you love yourself, you stop doing the things that insult your soul. You stop those habits that you do all the time, those, those self-sabotaging behaviors, and you start to attract what is truly in your best um, interest. You start to attract more love, more success, more abundance, better health. You start to feel worthy. And I find again that with, with the women that I work with, the biggest thing that blocks them from manifesting what they want in their life is not feeling worthy of it. And when you start to love yourself, you're like, yeah, damn straight, I'm worthy of this. Like I deserve the great relationship, the fantastic, healthy body, the business that's rocking. I deserve to have all of these beautiful things in my life. So it really all starts with this idea of treating yourself the way you would a good friend. That's so perfect. I love that. And and um, we weren't taught these things. And we were really, that was selfish to do that. Um, I had a, um, a, a talk with somebody who's a spiritual teacher, and I asked him about boundaries. And um, because I, I have trouble with that. And because <laughs> I want I, I want to over deliver. That's why I have gold stars in my logo is I want a gold star. So <laughs> anyway, that's one of the reasons. Anyway, um, and he said, well, you don't do boundaries. You just love them. And that didn't quite sit with me because at the time I was trying to figure out how to have space to, to do things that were in my own well, for my own well-being, and um, and I didn't know how to do it. How do you do boundaries, Dr. Ellen? Do you have a good idea that, that you could share about it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my sixth step is rehabbing your relationships. Because what happens is when you start to love yourself, you start to know yourself, you become that butterfly, but the people in your life still think you're the caterpillar. So one of the key points is boundaries. And what I have people do is I have them draw up a personal bill of rights. What oh. it is that you stand for, like write it down. It's chapter, it's a section in my book. I stand, you know, I deserve to be loved. I deserve to be heard. I deserve to be able to take time out to rest. I deserve to be able to get my physiological needs met. I deserve to, um, you know, not be criticized and yelled at. So, you, you know, I deserve to be seen, to be heard, to be loved, to wow. be taken care of. So you actually sit down and you write out a personal bill of rights. Now, once you do that, then you think about, okay, what are the consequences if somebody crosses the line? If somebody, you know, crosses this line, you know, once maybe the consequence is that I say to them, like, listen, you know, you crossed my boundary here, my bill of my personal bill of rights. I'm asking you not to do it again. Maybe the next consequence is, you know what? I need to uh, take a break from this relationship for a couple of weeks, a couple of days. And maybe the last consequence is that this person, you know, I don't want to have a relationship with this person in my life anymore. But the first step is to draw up a personal bill of rights. What it is that you stand for? What is it you deserve to get. Think about the relationships you have in your life and then think about what are the consequences going to be if somebody crosses the boundaries, if somebody violates my personal bill of rights. But that's like, what do I stand for in life? That's great. Yeah, I wrote that down because <laughs> I don't have one of those. Well, I and I guess um, what I'm finding too is during this time period where the energy, I'm very um, sensitive and so the energies are so different and it really feels like we're in this um, inverted matrix where right looks like it's wrong and wrong looks like it's right. And you're trying to figure out what truth is. Um, I'm just finding that I'm laughing all the time because it's a, it's like every single thing. See, I don't it, you know. I have this crystal that has all these different facets. And depending on which side you look through, you get a different vision. So, so it's almost like trying to figure out how someone else sees the world, how they would say that or do that from their perspective. What is that part of also 
how you deal with midlife where you seem to get this because you're old enough and you have enough experiences that you're looking at things through a different prisms kind of a different view. Yeah, that's such an amazing point. I think in midlife, you, I think when you first hit midlife, you haven't quite gotten there. I find what midlife, it's like uh, this period where, you know, you've been clawing up this ladder of success, but the ladder is up against the wrong building and you get to the top and you're looking at the perspective, and you're looking around and you're going, wait a minute, I did all the things I was supposed to do. Everything that, you know, my partner said to do, my parents said to do, my peers, cult, my society, my culture, my boss. And I did all this stuff. I went through all of these hoops and here I am at the top and I don't like what I see up here. And that's, yeah. you know, and that's where we start to change our perspective. And it really starts with my first step, which is really authenticity. You've got to know yourself. And as you were saying, Kathy, everybody's got a different perspective. We all see things differently. And so the first step is really to get to know yourself. What is my perspective on life? Who am I? What do I like to do? What are my strengths? What are my core values? I think that's a big lens that we're looking through. Our core values are really our GPS device. They're the thing yeah. that is our North Star that guides our decisions, that guides you know our habits, what we choose to do, what we want more of, what we want less of. So I feel like midlife is when we start, not for everybody. I mean, some people are always on their path, but the people that I work with and myself included are usually really off their path. Because yep. they have been, as as you said, you know, earlier about doing everything to please everybody else. If we are doing that, then we're not on our path. Life is not flowing. And we need to sort of step back, do an inventory, and really become the authors, the authority of our lives and realize that we are actually making our lives constantly. We're writing our own story and that we have the power to do it unconsciously and sort of just let life kind of take us along or we can say, you know what, I'm going to actually um, be the author of my life. I'm going to choose who I want to hang out with, how I want to live, where I want to live, what I want to do. We have much more power and agency than we believe. And I think midlife is that time where a lot of us wake up and say, my goodness, I'm off my path. I'm really not happy. Yeah. I did my first adulthood doing everything for everybody else. And now it's time for me to figure out what it is I really want. Well, yeah, I think I call that programming because I really think that as we were growing up, we were told we followed the storyline. Plus our bodies kind of pushed us to have children and made up and have children and, and then sort of look at each other and go, what are we doing? Are we still even friends? What, what's going on here? But, um, but what I think is um, really interesting is the combination that you have about empowerment, because everything I see that's in your your portfolio that you offer to everyone is a way for people to choose and maybe take baby steps to get there. But in the end, what they're going to do is they're going to create a life they love rather than be a victim. Because this is the, the journey right now is from victimhood, I think. And I think the world is feeling that victimhood to um, empowerment. Do you agree? I, I totally agree. And I think the thing that is so exciting is that we're starting to see that each and every single one of us can make a difference. And it's it's going away from the... the um, types of organizations that have been in control for, you know, hundreds and thousands of years to the individuals and the individuals creating groups. I mean, I think it's so exciting as we're, you know, in this entering the Aquarian age that people are getting together and doing things on their own that have nothing to do with, you know, politics or sort of, you know, stepping aside and, and creating these beautiful things. So I think that we are, we're finding that each and every single one of us, you know, has this divine spark. We're all puzzle pieces in what needs yeah. to happen in terms of the transformation um, that is going on in the world. And um, it's so interesting that you said that about empowerment, because I think of all my seven steps, empowerment is the one that I didn't understand as much when I wrote the book. Okay. Um, I think when I actually got cancer um, last year, that is when I really 
understood empowerment because I had to stand up to a lot of the physicians who were treating me and saying, no, this is not what is in alignment with my core values. This is not what I want to do. And I had been such a people pleaser that um, I really needed to turn things around and find that power from within to stand up for myself and do what was right for me. Well, that's where um, I'm, I'm calling that empowerment versus a victim um, model, because the victim model means my government does everything for me. My doctor does everything for me. My every, everything, every um, major institution, the banks, the my taxes, my everything is all for me. And then you start to go, hmm, maybe I should question this a little bit and see what feels right. When you get more into your feelings, it's like your compass. And if your energy is really depleted because you're eating wrong, you're not exercising, you're not around vital energy people, they're vampires around you. Um, it's a, it's, you're not able to be the gift that you are. You lose that whole spark of creativity, which is the only reason why I think we're here. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I do agree with you is, is it's really important. Uh, everything from, as you were saying, the foods you put in your body, it doesn't need to be crazy. I've been a dietitian for 30 years. I know you agree with me. It's a whole food plant-based diet. So eating mostly plants, not eating anything your grandmother wouldn't be eating and eating till you were satisfied rather than stuff. Surrounding yourself with people who get you and support you. Those people who, as you said, are energy vampires and particularly those of us who are empaths. I don't know, we're, we're attracted to narcissists, people who suck the energy from us. Surround yourself with people who really do support you. Fill yourself up with positive thoughts and positive activities. I find that I am getting so much more done by doing less. Figure out one thing every day that's going to be your highlight, that's going to light you up. You're thinking, you know, I, I want to express my creativity. I want to write a book or I want to learn how to how to draw, paint, crochet, play music, have some kind of platform, open some kind of business. Create a little bit of time and space to work on that thing every day. I think the amazing thing now is every single one of us can have our own media channel. We can have our own business and market it. We, you don't need a storefront, you know, you don't even need to open up a restaurant. You can cater and deliver meals to people. Right, we right. can do whatever it is we want to do to make a difference in the world. And we can really connect with our creative spark, get to know ourselves, love ourselves enough to have the, the guts to overcome our fears of doing these things and put ourselves out there to really connect with what our divine purpose is. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I'm in the background going, yeah. Because um, <laughs> I think that people, um, our society, and this isn't necessarily, I, I guess it's worldwide, but I didn't, I didn't really notice it in Italy the same way as here. But the U.S. is everything's new and improved and the young, you know, the young is, you know, we all want to be young and da, 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 da. And so um, there's people that feel like after they hit 50, that it's all downhill. Well, in a lot of cases, you're liberated. Your your kids are gone. Most In most cases, your kids are out unless you had them late. And um, and you get to go, hmm, what, do, what, what, gives me energy. What do I enjoy? Do I want to paint? And and if you're sensitive, a lot of times you're getting these inspirations, these downloads of it. And um, so, so could you talk a little bit about that? Because I know the midlife whisperer would be, would be going, okay, you're going through this rough chemical imbalance in your body. But if you had kids, you had that, you know what, how powerful those hormones can be. It's remarkable. If you didn't have kids, you may have an even a, a, a different experience. But anyway, could you talk about the transition? Because the the I find that uh, it was fantastic. I didn't have a terrible um, experience with menopause. I didn't have, but I was vegetarian. I was already eating um, a pretty clean diet. So could you talk a little bit about that from from um, the what you the first of all what is midlife, and then what are the um, good parts about it? 
Sure. Well, I think about midlife, you know, in terms of chronology, sort of 40 to maybe 60, 65. I often think about the midlife as being a transitional period. Like, again, that it's a bit of a cliche, but it's the best metaphor I know that the caterpillar to the butterfly where you are in that chrysalis. And it, the interesting thing about caterpillar to butterfly is they have the same DNA. Um, and what happens is the caterpillar actually ex excretes an acidic goo. And there's these amagerial cells that are kind of the blueprint for the butterfly. So the blueprint of who you are is there. And it's sort of this period where we start to really ask, like, you know, we realize I'm, I'm running out of time. I think that's the other big piece of midlife is that there's less time in front of us than behind us. And we start to sort of have this wake up call, this divine alarm clock that's saying, all right, come on, you've got stuff to do. There's things you're here to, to do. And maybe, and part of that is just enjoying our life more. And we incarnate, you know, as human beings to experience this life and all it is, it has to offer. So giving yourself permission to have more joy, to have more fun, to have more pleasure, more meaningful relationships, more meaningful work in your life. So it's this period where we start to say, oh my God, what is what's not working in my life? And I think a big wake up call, particularly for women, is that the changes that happen due to menopause, the hormonal fluctuations where estrogen and progesterone start to decline actually, you know, causes a lot of physiological changes for women, some of which are not you know, the side effects of menopause are not very comfortable. So you might be having hot flashes. You might be, you know, experiencing weight gain, brain fog, insomnia. Women at midlife have the highest rate of depression for any group for our age and gender. So it's that wake up call is kind of like physiologically you're being shook. So if you're not in alignment, if you aren't loving yourself, eating a good diet, getting plenty of rest, doing things that bring you joy. Your life is out of balance. I think up until midlife menopause, you can kind of get through it. You know, you have another cup of coffee, you know, you're trying to like juggle everything. And then I think that midlife menopause hits and it's kind of like, you're like, oh goodness, um, what's not in alignment here? I really do need to start to pay attention to my body. And it is, it's really true. We need to pay attention to our bodies because this decline in estrogen causes an increase in inflammation. So as estrogen declines, um, inflammation goes up. It's harder to maintain our muscle mass, our bone mass. We need to start paying attention to our physiology. The weight gain comes because again, this estrogen changes can create more, uh, more fat deposition around the midline. So we, we need to eat a little bit less. We need to have a little bit more protein. We also need to make sure that we're moving our bodies. We might've gotten sedentary over the years. We sit a lot as a society and human beings are not made to sit. It used to be that we walked around all day and we sat as a break. Now we sit all day and maybe we take a little walk as a break. We need to flip that around. So I think midlife can be the best time of your life, but you've got to wake up, you know, smell the coffee and say, okay, this is what's working. This is what's not, what's not working. When I start to work with a client, you know, we start off like, where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in three years, five years, six months, setting some real, um, some specificity around how you want to not just what the specifics are, how do you want to feel? I think going back to that emotions we were talking about earlier, I think that's the piece of the law of attraction people miss. We think about like, what are what do I want more of? But then how is it I really want to feel? And when was the last time I felt that way? And what can I do to help myself feel that way? And, it, and include in that visualization, seeing yourself feeling more joy, thinking about a time. When was I, when was the last time I was joyful? When was the last time I had more energy? I was happy visualizing that and taking that, that reality that you're visualizing and superimposing it on your present and on your future. I think the big trick at midlife and in manifestation in general is feeling good now. How do I feel good in this moment? If you're listening, just Gonna take a breath and I'm gonna think about what can I do today to feel good in my life? Maybe I need to fix myself a great dinner. Maybe I need to get to bed an hour earlier. Maybe I need to meditate, do some yoga instead of turning on Netflix. What is it that I can do today that's going to be, you know, help me create the future that I really want? But midlife can be, you know, it can be amazing. Like I am totally loving my midlife. I have a great new man in my life. I live on a beautiful estate on in uh, Lake Champlain on an island. And then in the winters, I have a, just bought a home in Costa Rica. Um, so it can be absolutely incredible. As you said, Kathy, you know, you've got a little bit more space with empty nests, perhaps, you know yourself better, but you've got to slow it down, spend some time being quiet, 
really think about what is it I truly want more of in my life? What do I want less of in my life? Where are the energy drains that I can like plug up and change? And where can I do more things that energize me and bring me joy? Beautiful, beautiful. I'm I'm back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, one thing you just brought up, I want to ask for my own information is uh, work life balance, because um, contrary to what people believe, your life is not over <laughs> at fifty or sixty. Um, my family lives to a hundred, so so I'm I'm still assuming I'm cranking away and. Um, and don't need to act my age. Well, sorry. Um, I'm, or, I mean, I, adulting's overrated. But um, <laughs> but I, I perfectly, honestly, I, I would like to get some advice about work-life balance. Yeah, so I think that, you know, again, at midlife, we have so much on our plates. And, you know, if I, if I, I talk to women at midlife all the time and that's the thing that they are struggling with most oh, because okay. we've got teenagers, we've got older, you know, older parents sometimes, we've got careers that are demanding, we might have financial pressures, spouse, all of these things going on. And I think part of it is is giving yourself permission to take things off your plate. Again, we live in this hustle culture where we are taught about like being busy. And then we have these, you know, we have these devices that are infinity pools. We have this constant stream of information. And so in terms of work-life balance, the first thing is like, you know, are you feeling like you are out of balance. I like to think about kind of yes. four different buckets. So like your health and well-being is one bucket, relationships are another bucket, career is another bucket and play is another bucket. So thinking about when I think about those buckets, am I feeling energized in that bucket? Am I feeling drained in that bucket? How do these buckets all relate to each other? Doing a little bit of soul searching and figuring out what do I need more of? What do I need less of? I find with women at midlife, guess which bucket we have the hardest trouble with? Do you know out of those out of career, health and wellness, um, uh, play and relationships? What is the one bucket? Play. That play. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. as you said, this idea, like I'm an adult and I can't play anymore, <laughs> which is total BS. Well, we you have to play. schedule it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, what's we, so weird is like, instead of like, no one's watching, I'm going to do this um, type of thing when you're a kid. Now it's like, oh, okay. I can play between two and three today and, <laughs> you know, and then cut it off and then have the discipline to follow that schedule. That's not that easy. It's not, but it is really, really important. And I think that when I work with people, I work a lot with subconscious beliefs. And when we drill down and someone's like, well, you know, I told myself I was going to spend this hour just, uh, you know, listening to music and dancing or drawing, painting, crocheting, whatever it is, cooking, having fun, it doesn't happen. And when we take a look and we look at, okay, so when you thought about doing that thing, what was in your worry box? And it's always the sense of guilt. Whoa. There's always a sense of guilt. Like if I give to myself, if I, you know, if I'm not available 24 seven for my work, for my kids, for my spouse, then maybe I'm not going to be needed or the, you know, the shit's going to hit the fan or something. And we have to like give that a little bit of air because your subconscious beliefs really power your life. So if you truly believe, like I had one client and she, she loved to exercise, she liked to eat healthy, but she wasn't doing any of that because she had this subconscious belief that if she was to actually schedule that exercise class or spend the time to do some food prep and go to the store and do all of those things, she wouldn't be available 24 seven for her family and she wouldn't be needed. Oh. And that was super important for her to always, always be available all the time. And so what we do is we start to limit test this and test it like, okay, so what happens? You take that exercise class and you're not available from, from six to seven on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, your, your kids, you, your kids are like, right on mom. I'm so glad you're taking care of yourself. But we have these beliefs, which aren't necessarily true, but they're driving our ship. And if we have this guilt, guilt is not a productive emotion unless it gets you to change your behavior. So if you're 
you're doing something that the behavior is not good, let's say you're having too much, too much Chardonnay in the evening. Well, feeling kind of guilty because you don't get something done, or maybe you blow up at somebody you love. Well, then it's good to change your behavior. But if you're not doing something like self-care because you feel guilty when you do it, it's time to share it, shed some light on that. And yes, take that hour. I mean, when I, um, you know, when my fiance and I are in Costa Rica, I'm done with work at four because I want to get to the beach to go swimming before it gets dark. Right. And I find when I do that, I have so much more energy, creativity. I, I um, manifest so much more. It really is true. More, uh, less is more. The less you do, the more you drill down on like, what are the three things that are my non-negotiables that I have to get done today? What's my one highlight, that one thing that I really want to do that's either um, urgent, important, or just brings me joy every single day? Write that thing down and and create 30 minutes to 90 minutes to get to do that thing. I promise you, whether that is learning a language, um, learning a new a new skill, uh, spending more time with your kids, whatever that thing is, your life will be so much more joyous. Then think about, I always tell people, when you get to the end of your life and you look back at this moment, what do you want your life to have stood for? Right. Figure out your core values and live by those core values. It's so important if you want to really make the most of your midlife and your entire life. That's so perfect. Um, when I do um, marketing plans with people, there's a section of it that's values. And um, I'm always surprised that people that are very, very successful, lawyers, doctors, um, uh, change agents, uh, educational reformers, where they may not have done their values. And so they're, they're that, again, it's that prism of you're walking through life, looking through this prism of, of facet. And you're judging everyone on your values, whether they fit it, but you haven't even totally identified and stake claim to them so that other people could know your values and know you. So, so a lot of this is being your authentic self, um, getting out of all the programming. And a lot of this is an opportunity for it to push through your fears so that's the next question, because stress a lot of times comes from you're about to break through to the next level and something's holding you back. It's um, it's uh, me saying making a commitment to myself and not fulfilling it and sort of slacking off on it, but making commitments to everyone else <laughs> and and fulfilling theirs, but not to myself. Um, so I, I think, could we talk a little bit about fear? Because I think fear right now, uh, the past three years has taught us a lot of things. Um, uh, first, it was the fear of death because uh, there was this invisible um, enemy that could hit you anytime, anywhere. Um, and then, so you had to look at your life path, I think. A lot of people did anyway during um, shutdown. And then, and then now fear is also still, I think a lot of brilliant people are afraid to be seen mm -hmm. and that might be past life or, or they're, um, you know, the, they're not sure about the exhilaration to put that they'll receive from pushing through the fear. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that uh, fear definitely holds us back. And I always like to think about fear versus faith. They both are in our imaginations. You know, fear is something in our imagination and faith is something in our imagination. We can say, I have the faith and I can see this thing and I am manifesting this, or we can have this fear. And the thing about fear is that um, it narrows our focus. So when we think about the, um, the neuroscience of fear, fear is really our primitive brain. It is our lizard brain. It evolved, you know, millions and millions of years ago to keep us safe. And the brain doesn't, isn't, isn't interested in you being fulfilled and you saving the world and you being actualized. It's only interested in keeping you safe. So every single time you step out of your comfort zone and Kathy, if you are going to rock midlife, if you're going to make a difference in the world, you're going to have to step outside your comfort zone. I, I love what you said about there's so many brilliant people who are scared to put themselves out there. Yeah. And you know, that's our fear brain saying, you know, stay small, stay safe, 
if you've put your foot out there, it is uncertain. You know, things could happen. You could be embarrassed. You know, people may not like you. So back off. So the way there are many ways that you can skin this cat of fear. My favorite is really remembering this three-part mantra, which is um, name it, you tame it, feel it, you heal it, and soften, soothe, and allow. So you name it. You name it when you say this is fear. What you're doing is you are taking the fear from the primitive, the amygdala, which is in the back of your brain, and you're bringing it to your big mammalian frontal cortex where you can look at it. It, it unsticks it. So name it, you tame it. And I love what Elizabeth Gilbert, who is the famous writer who wrote Eat, Pray, Love says, mm-hmm. you know, she says to fear, you know, I see you. I know you're trying to help me, but you can, dr- you can ride in the car, but you got to sit in the back. We can't drive, you know, and she says, she, I think she says this in big magic. You cannot drive the car because if you let fear drive the car, you will not get to the destination of happy, actualized self. You'll stay really small in your box. And that's what I did for years. I stayed in a marriage for 25 years because I was afraid. I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to manage myself. You know, I was silly fears, fear. It's again, all of these things in your imagination. And once you're like, you know, I can do my taxes. I can pay my bills, balance my checkbook. I met other amazing people and created new relationships, but I had all these fears of what would happen if I left. So the first thing is name it, you tame it. The second thing is feel it, you heal it. Emotions, including fear, are felt experiences in the body. And so when we feel it in our body, we we can start to see, oh, yeah, this is a physiological response. And it's so interesting when you think about fear and you think about like exhilaration, excitement, you think about like riding a roller coaster, scary as all heck, right? But same physiology, you start to sweat, your heart beats faster, your eyes dilate. We can take fear, feel it in our body, and we can transform that to excitement. So in like a couple of weeks, I'm I'm on a big stage at the uh, Mind, Body, Spirit, London Wellbeing Festival. It's definitely scary, yeah. but it's also really exciting. Like I, yeah. I see myself on stage, excited, sharing with people. So we can transform that, feeling it in our body, yeah. transforming that fear into that, that, that very similar um, feeling of exhilaration. And then the the fast for final piece, which goes back to our initial um, conversation around self-compassion is soften, soothe, allow, soften that part of your body. So maybe, uh, you know, if you're feeling fear in the pit of your stomach or it's a tightness in your chest, can I just soften? Can I soften and, and relax that part of my body? Can I soothe it? Can I put my hand on my heart and just say, Hey honey, it's going to be okay. I got you. You can do this. And then can I just allow that emotion to come and go when we sort of stuff fear or we might, you know, drink too much, eat too much, do shopping, procrastinate, all of those things. We're not working through that emotion. We're not processing. We need to digest that emotion. Um, And it, you know, it's really true. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. You've got to, got to face your fears. And the other thing that's really powerful too um, is something that Tim Ferriss uses called, I think he calls it um, fear, fear testing. And so you think about, okay, what's the absolute worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're thinking about, I'm doing a talk, well, nobody shows up or people don't like that. Okay. So that's the worst thing that can happen. What could I do to decrease the chances of that happening? Well, I could like advertise my talk so more people show up. I could tell my friends, invite people to come. I could rehearse my butt off. So it's really, really good. Sometimes fear and anxiety is there to tell you, okay, you got to do some work around this. You've got to like make sure that you're prepared. So what could I do to stop it from happening? Um, And then to think about too, what's the absolute best thing or group of things that could come if you do this thing, if you go on that trip. When I went to Costa Rica, I was so scared because I didn't speak the language. I had heard like the roads were terrible and there was some like white white theft there and stuff like that. And my fiance and I had had a blast. We had so much fun that we decided to buy a house. We went on, we went on a three week vacation and ended up buying a home because we oh, love the country so much, um, I, which is terrifying, but such a great move. Oh, well, see, the, that's what I wanted to add. The only thing I wanted to add, because I took notes just then, um, was um, sometimes fear is excitement disguised. Like the fear of you speaking is really the ex- could be excitement or or it can be transmuted to excitement um, about the process um, because 
when you go through something that was fearful, whether it was a inner child <laughs> a fear or a past life fear, who knows where those fears come from, global consciousness, um, what what happens is it's like you're it's like you're an Olympic athlete running through the race and you've made the finish line first. It, there's this exhilaration, which is excitement, right? Because you 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 did it. You did it. Yeah, right? I want to say it just something if you're people are watching or if you're listening, one of the most empowering things you can do is change your posture of your physiology. I saw you doing it, you were here, Heather, but go here. Yes. When you stand up, you know, you think about people like the Olympic athletes, right? They win the gold and they're just like, you, know, you think about like Michael Phelps, you know, he's got another gold. And they're like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, primates, gorillas do it. They stand up and they smile and they breathe and you're like, oh, yes. So if you're about to do a big talk, you know, go to the loo and stand up and go like, I got this. Our physiology is so incredibly powerful. And so if we do that victory swoop, we're going to show up for that meeting, that, com that talk, that conversation feeling empowered. It's so important. Don't cower. I mean, if you're listening, you know, just bring your shoulders forward and hunch over and notice how you feel. And then stand up straight with your chest open, your heart open, your solar plexus empowered and ready to go. Just imagine, I tell this, have my clients do this all the time before they go on stage or they, you know, go in a meeting or even talk to their spouse. Imagine you have a beautiful golden light, a shield emanating from your solar plexus that is like radiating and protecting you and helping you glow at the same time. So we can do so much through visualization, through our posture. And I just love the way that Wu is catching up to science, right? <laughs> 20 years ago, like meditation, even things like Reiki now, we're starting to measure, realizing we are energetic beings. Right. We, you know, we're, these things are very real and uh, the science is catching up. So there's so much you can do. And so I think we're both here to say, to cheer you on wherever you're at in your journey. And I would say the last thing too is please get some help. You don't yeah. have to go it alone. And the beautiful thing about what's happened with the, you know, the internet and media in general is that there is a support group, a coach, a podcast, whatever you are facing, whatever you want to do. If you have thought of this idea, there is someone out there who can support you. There's a group right. of people going through the same things. We're all here to help you. You don't have to go it alone. And I think also then, you know, pass it on, help somebody else. Every time you are kind and you give of your time, your knowledge, your information as, as midlifers, we have so much wisdom to share. And I think we're both really here to say that we're not going anywhere. I mean, my, one of my big whys is that I am so done with ageism. Like you were, you said, you know, you told me your age, I'm a proud 60 and I feel like a kid, you know, my, my fiance and I, we've got a tandem bike and a tandem kayak. <laughs> we are, you know, playing, dancing, rocking out uh, where I am in Costa Rica. There's a little club down the street. There are these people in their fifties and sixties and they're professional musicians rocking out like they are, you know, like they're 25 years old and we never lose that spirit. And the more we can connect with our inner child and do those things that we did as a kid that made us feel radiant and alive and rediscover them, the more we rock our midlife. That's perfect. That's perfect. So so um, the other thing is that um, by finding that that fire in your belly or that excitement, you're really um, probably identifying your gift. Um, so a lot of times people have to go through um, something to unfold, unpack the gift, uh, like a divorce or job uh, loss or what, what you know, family, some, some loss. But uh, I don't think that that's, uh, um, it's just a, like you don't have to have a near-death experience to get the spiritual experience. You can have a spiritually transformative experience by meditating by going, by walking meditations, there's, the science is proving the spiritual aspect. Science and spirituality were married, then they were brought apart, and hopefully during this Aquarian age, they will be back together where we look at a holistic uh, worldview, like what Dr. Ellen is offering right now. 
I mean, what, what you're offering is a um, opportunity to see yourself as a conscious creator. Absolutely. Yep. 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 So, so um, tell me what you're thinking about all of the diets and stuff. Like there's all this stuff about the microbiome and then there's all this fear of food with the um, of people being afraid of um, vaccines in the food now and um, all of that stuff. Uh, could you speak at all to food as life force energy, um, meaning that um, partially I'm hoping you're going to say not to be so rigid, um, but, <laughs> but could you talk about food as medicine maybe? Um, sure. Well, you know, to address the microbiome, we do know indeed that we have trillions of cells uh, that are not part of our body. They are uh, trillions of microorganisms. So your microbiome is made of bacteria, fungi, parasites, viruses that are living in your body. Um, some are good, some are neutral, some are bad. And they're really finding that this colony um has a huge impact on everything from your mood, things like depression. If you literally take fecal matter from a depressed mouse and you put it into a healthy mouse, the healthy mouse will get depressed. So there's this whole new field of like psychonutrition that is coming up. We're no, we know that the microbiome impacts your immune system. Uh, it really is so powerful. And the good news is that you can really uh, impact your microbiome and have a healthier microbiome and overall body by the foods that you eat. So we really know that a whole foods plant-based diet is the way to go. So it doesn't mean as you, you know, I think you were helping me say, Kathy, that you have to be a hundred percent vegan. You can, you know, start this way, have start with one, two, three vegetarian meals a week or one vegetarian day a week. The Add more plants to your diet, start to look at your animal protein as a um, as a condiment, not the center of your plate. So we're all, you know, health is a continuum. I know I'm always working on being healthier, being more vibrant. I'm here to say that you are an energetic being and you are either made of plants, you know, you eat plants and that is plants come from the sun or you eat animals that eat the plants. The more plants that you eat, the better, but it doesn't mean it has to be all or nothing. Start to notice what foods make me feel energized and good and what foods tend to drain my energy. Take a look and see when am I using food to uh, help me shift my mood? Am I emotionally eating? Well, if that's the case, figure out what could I really do to, to really address this emotion, address these issues that I'm having. Um, again, get some help. You reach out to me. I would be happy to, to support you in transforming your diet, but it's a continuum. You don't have to do it all overnight. And it really is a matter of, again, eating more plants, eating less processed food, eating until you're satisfied rather than stuffed and really realizing that yes, food is your best medicine. My fiance had high blood pressure, high cholesterol about 15 years ago. Over time, he gradually changed his diet. He went into the dentist where they take your blood pressure. His blood pressure was normal. His cholesterol was normal. And now he's like incredibly healthy. So you can totally transform your body, your how you feel, your overall health through the foods that you eat. And there's no place to know, you know, you don't have to, I don't agree about transforming everything overnight. Some people can do that. There's no special um, magic diet. It really is, again, just eating more plants. It's that, you know, that whole foods, plant-based diet, the Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet, it's all the same kind of things. You don't have to go on any kind of extreme diet, but it really does work in getting back to kind of like stress and menopause. That diet really helps to control inflammation. All of those plant foods have uh, phytochemicals, plant chemicals that really help to reduce the inflammation. Conversely, when you eat a lot of processed foods, your body looks at those processed foods as invaders, as those chemicals. And you can actually get, you know, a, um, auto, an immune re response to those things, which creates inflammation. So again, more plants, supplementation can help, but get some help if you need it, get support, support if you need it and do it because you love yourself, not because you hate your body or the doctor told you, you got to lose weight, but do it because you love and care about yourself. And you, you just want to live a beautiful, healthy life. Yeah. Well, I think we're so hard on ourselves a lot of times. And that's a big, that's why I 
started the conversation with self-love because then if you love yourself, then you're actually paying attention. Your body doesn't lie. The body knows what it needs if you um, go to the effort to listen and to participate. <laughs> It'll tell you what it wants. Um, so Ellen, are, so you're pretty optimistic about um, people living longer and happier and more vital life, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you, my my plan on living it to 100, even though, you know, I had this sort of cancer scare. My parents are 91 and 92. So um, I feel like I'm just, I'm rocking it. I'm enjoying life. But I did go through a rocky period. And so if you're listening and you're going through that rocky period, you know, remember everything is truly happening for your highest good and the highest good of all beings and start where you are, get help if you need it. Follow those, you know, the seven steps in my bot in my bot in my diet in my book. It's just knowing yourself, loving yourself, energizing yourself, reprogramming your brain, empowering yourself, rehabbing your relationships, and of course, enlightening yourself, connecting with your spirit, your soul, realizing that you are a, a soul having a human experience and you're here for a reason. So it's been such a pleasure connecting with you today and your yeah. audience. Yes, this is perfect. Well, I, I love um, bringing the um, empowerment message to everyone because we forgot how powerful we are. And, and when we're talking about even, um, even running the battery, <laughs> uh, the clean battery in your system, it, that affects everything around you. Your, your field gets bigger and it actually affects plants, animals, trees, um, the grocery store, it, it can, people, it can affect everything. So they, we're talking about being kind to yourself, being loving to yourself. And that's how we're going to get to a new world, the new world that we want to create. That's uh, in the Aquarian age where we could be telepathic, where we could have um, our superpowers come into play. And um, this is a step and uh, Dr. Ellen, as you can see, is a tremendous resource if you're ready to love yourself enough to do this and um, get off of the story and get into the enjoyment of why you're here, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, if you had told me five, six years ago that my life would be so great, I'd have to wear shade. I'd be like, sign me up. I would... <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes to get to this place, but you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this all sounds good. I don't know how to get there. You, you just, you take it, you take it a small change every single day. You know, if a plane changes its direction by one, 2%, it ends up in a completely different place. You don't need to change everything overnight. I've been a coach for 15 years, I've been a dietitian for 30. And I have to say, it's the small changes that you make because you love yourself that really make all the difference. And a simple thing that you can do is just go to my website. It's the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com. I've got a free gift there. You can check it out. It's 10 steps to rock your midlife. You can just grab that and that'll give you some, you know, places that you can start listen to more podcasts like Kathy's and will really help you feel energized and rock your midlife. Yeah. So here's her website. It's um, the the midlife west uh the midlife i don't have my glasses the midlifewhisperer.com <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you i could have gotten it eventually and here's her book that's rock your midlife which is what we're advocating today and then you can learn all about dr ellen but i mean she's a great example and um you can feel her energy that life isn't isn't meant to sit on the sidelines. Life is meant to really get out there and um, make a difference and uh, and enjoy it, enjoy the journey. And so I'm really excited that we got to do this today. I hope everyone gets a hold of your book and uh, because midlife isn't just a physiological thing, it's a worldview. It's a worldview where you go, well, this is just the end. And I just, I'm just going to sit back and watch the world go by versus, hey, <laughs> hey, I still want to have some fun here. This was supposed to be fun and games and, and an enjoying process. We, we, who got that memo, you know? 
Absolutely. So yeah, go out, go out and find your reader child and take, take him or her out for a stroll. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, you have resources that'll help you get there faster, more efficiently. People that have already had the experiences or have the, have studied and have their life um, there, well, have the experience of working with enough people they're not starting out. Ellen has um, tremendous experience that she can bring to your life. So thank you, Dr. Ellen. Thanks, Kathy. To talk with you today. So everyone, please, please go to Dr. And you have a YouTube channel, right? Too? I do. You can, yeah, it's all you can find everything on the website. So it's just the midlifewhisper.com. That's the midlifewhisper.com. Okay, thank you. Thank okay, you. super, everybody, please. I hope you'll go there. Thank you.